Chronicles. I keep wanting to say Corinthians. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles. 29 verses 1 through 3. And Luke chapter 4. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has chosen to be the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple that he is to build is not just another building. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at David's command, he said, I've gathered as much as I could for the building of the temple of my God. And then he lists all these precious metals, gold, silver, onyx, all these jewels. In today's value, it equaled up to $20 billion was David's gift to build the temple. As you look at this, you see, first of all, some things that are important. David wanted to build the temple. He wanted to do that job, but somebody else had somebody else in mind. Who was that somebody else? It's God. You know, David wasn't anticipating on God saying, David, you're not going to build the temple. Your son Solomon is. Your son Solomon may be inexperienced and he may be young and he may not have a clue what he's doing, but that's who I want to use. Now, why does God do stuff like that? David was experienced. He had the money. He had the experience. But God wanted to use somebody that had no experience or nothing when it come to building. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion that the reason he wanted that is because God wanted to get the glory and not man. Sometimes we think the most likable person that will carry something out, will, it will be somebody totally different. Uh, someone said in the earlier days when I first started and they found out that I was going to build a church and start a church, here's what they said. He will never get it done. He don't have what it takes. You know what? I agreed with them. And without God's help, I wouldn't have gotten it done. It wouldn't happen. You wouldn't be in this building, much less the building that we stayed in for two or three years. I want to ask by a show of hands, how many of you have actually taken the time, my wife and I went last night, to go see War Room? I want you to raise your hand. Well, a few of you have. But I want to tell you something. Some of you may can't go right now. And when that thing hits DVD, you need to see it. If you can go right now, it's still playing in Conyers. You need to go see it. Especially if your back's against the wall or you've got some God-sized things going on that you need God to show up on, whether it be your health, your marriage. This church needs a God-sized plan to show up. And I said I'm going to be as... I'm going to be as couth as I can and, 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 and accurate. But I'm up against something here that I have never in 20 plus years been 
involved in. And we built all these buildings, and we jumped all through these government hoops. And we, 10, it was 18 months, well, that's actually been two years ago, we brought in these modulars. I didn't bring in the modulars to be a problem, but they're now a problem. City ordinance says we got to either move them out or come up with a good plan. That means if we move them out right now, the clinic would have to go down. All the educational space would disappear. Now, is the fire marshal against us having a good plan? No. Is the building uh, inspector against us having a good plan? No. But we got to have a good plan. So we need a God-sized plan. Now, you can amen all you want to, but it ain't going to do no good because in 10 months, if we don't come up with one, they're all going to be red tagged, and then we've got to go to court and fight it out. So if you've got law experience, we could use you. If you've got building experience, we could use your input. And now, if you just want to fuss and complain, I don't need you. I just assume you stay home. But we're going to have a meeting, and we're going to come up with a God-sized plan and we're going to meet in here, and I'm going to call the fire marshal and the building inspector, and they're going to come over, and we're going to have a sit-down powwow meeting. And we're going to come away with a God-sized plan. I'm going to meet with a lot of counselors before that happens. I'm going to need it. And you need to do, that's why you need to go see War Room, because if I can get you to go see War Room, you'll walk out of there, maybe some of the prayer warriors that we need. We need God to show up. We definitely don't need all that going out of here. We don't need to shut down what God started. Do you believe that? See, I don't either. And by the way, the fire marshal don't want to shut it down. Neither does the bill. They don't want to shut it down either. They know what God's doing through solid rock in our community. Listen, they, they know that. But we still got an ordinance that we've got to deal with. So does solid rock have a need? I want to speak to you on the subject what any church needs right now. And, and look, we're needy people. I haven't met any of you here that I know your name that I don't realize you're a needy person. And I want you to know that Mike Franklin is a needy person. And I don't like being put into situations where I can't control it because I'm a controller. I'll control every one of you if you let me. But you know what? When I started having daughter-in-laws and grandchildren and and in-laws and outlaws, and I realized I can't control nothing. And now I've gotten to the point I'm kind of happy that I don't have to. Let them take care of my boys. I don't have to do it no more. But you see, we all have needs. You say, I don't, I don't have any needs, Brother Mike. I am not a needy person. Oh, so you don't need shelter and food? Hello. You don't have a need to believe life? should be meaningful and have a purpose? Hello. You don't have a need for a sense of community and deeper relationships? You definitely need to go see War Room. Because most of the reasons and couples are having trouble this day and time is because husbands and wives are detached. They don't communicate. You can't even go to a supper and sit and carry on a conversation because you're so detached you don't communicate anymore. If you're not communicating, I guess what? You, all this you'll see on War Room, by the way. I promise you, if you husband and wives aren't communicating, guess what you're not communicating with? You're not communicating with your children. You're not communicating with your grandchildren. You don't know how. 
Because you're not fighting strategically in warfare right. You need to know how to fight. War room will teach you. Do you have a need to be appreciated and to be heard? Hello? Are you not going to amen nothing? Don't you have a need to be heard? Come on. You're giving your husbands and wives enough fit because of it. Do you not have a need to grow in your faith? Do you have a way of measuring where you're growing or not? And let me tell you something. If you want to know if you're growing or not, it's because you got a whole lot of tests going on. This morning, Joe's had all kind of tests in the sound system. There's been all kind of weird stuff going on. Austin come up with hand to his kid, and his kid just throwing up everywhere, and he's, he's playing in the band. He got, to take, he got the deal. And, and let me tell you something. There's so much stuff that goes on in the church service and before church service, and some of you just come in here and you take space and, and, and quietly toot and go home. That's why I got to clean the pews once a quarter. That's a weird way of putting it, but it's just true. As pastor, for 26 years right here, I have... <laughs> look, I grew up in the ministry. I, I have, since I've been in the... Uh, eight, nine years old, I've been in the church. I, I, I have... I built my life around the church. I Hopefully, I'm going to die. I hope I die right here preaching right before your face. Oh, yeah, I want to die so you will remember me the rest of your life. I want to scar you forever. <laughs> You're getting a side of me you, maybe you ain't seen in a while. You see, if you were to poll the church and discover the needs, you'd find out that God, in his word, said we're needy people. We need him. We got to have him. And, and, and I want to just, I don't know how many needs. I didn't get but one need this morning in the early service. But the first need I want us to look at is that our church needs your loving affection. Now, my secretary has been visiting other churches, trying to find out what is the key of a friendly church. She found out, walked into some that they had, and we're trying to, to formulate a greeting committee. But you know what? The greeters can be friendly, but the people in the pew can be unfriendly. Hello? If you're not friendly, it doesn't matter what the greeters do. Some of you say, well, bless God, I'm going to come in here. If you bless me, fine. And if you don't, fine, I'm going back home. Well, then... My goodness, don't you dare ever come to me and say this is an unfriendly church because you are unfriendly. You want to be friendly? You want to be, you want to experience friendliness? Then be friendly. You know what we found? The, the better churches are when the church is friendly, not just the greeting committee. That's what I'm hearing in a report. But David had, the Bible says, a desire in his heart to build the temple of God. What she said in, in, the, in the King James Version is not man's church, it's God's church. 
Look, we didn't build these buildings for Mike Franklin. We didn't build these buildings so somebody could get credit for it in the flesh. We built these buildings so that people could come in here, hear about the Word of God, receive the Word of God, and, and hear the Holy Spirit and, and be changed. I hear the people come in and all the time and say, Son, when I walk in here and I sit down, all of a sudden I feel like I'm under something different. I said, I'll tell you what the difference is. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It's not us unless we bring the Holy Spirit with us. People come walk out all the time and say, man, you stepped all over my toes. I said, I wasn't aiming for your feet. I was aiming for your heart. You go out of here and get a good foot rub, and you'll forget everything you heard. Oh, David could have got mad, you know. I've seen that happen through the years. Everybody had these little private agendas, these little private things they want to be, and they're so power-hungry, and and they want to be ahead of something, and then they don't get their way. They get mad. They start sulking and pouting, and eventually they're gone. That's just the way it is. Hey, I've seen 26 years of it here. I can almost name the ones that sulked and, and pouted and left. I won't because my secretary gets on to me. But you see, David knew his son was inexperienced, but even more than that, the Bible says David loved God's house. He loved the temple. He loved the place of the habitation, habitation of his people coming together. Worship. Look, I didn't ex- uh, become a part of an expansion around here of one building to two buildings to parking lots of asphalt that I get tired of looking at because the more asphalt you create, the more cracks that some you can need somebody to fill some. More uh, space you got under roof. I go around here looking. Oh Lord, where is it? Where is it leaking now? Some of you don't even think about that because you take everything for around here for granted until something happens. And then you won't call us and expect us to respond. Well, you know what? We want to respond. But there's needs that go on around here at Solid Rock, too, that you don't know nothing about. If you think this church is wealthy, forget it. It's not. We're doing the best that we can to make things happen the way they do. That's why it's so difficult when, when we need to build. We need to, we're, we're going to look at a plan, and it's going to involve building. building but I, I told the powers that be, you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip, or I can't. While I'll give you a plan, it doesn't mean I'll get it done tomorrow. It may take a few years. Matter of fact, four and a half years now, unless... Some of you decide that you're going to bless the church more than what we're doing. We've raised $41,000. If we raise $41,000 next year, that's $82,000. Subtract $82,000 from $300,000. ain't paid off yet, y'all. So if you think that I, I haven't led this church in 20-something years to compound debt upon debt, and I don't call that a lack of faith. I call that counting the cost. And, and you know why you, we hadn't had anybody come over here and run us out of the church building? Because we've been paying our bills. What have we been paying? $5,300 a month just for a note on this church. 
That's not the power bill, guys. That's just the note. And by the way, what I'm hearing is pretty cheap, wasn't it, that? Some of you go, well, are you blistering me with it. Well, do you love this church? You say you do. But do you miss it when you don't come? Do you even care what's going on around here? Suppose my grandson or grandchildren, you saw them out in the parking lot and they was wet and skinny and cold, dirty looking. You took them home and gave them a, put food in their stomach, nice clean clothes on their back and put them in a warm bed with roof overhead and but then all of a sudden you bring them to, to us as the Franklin family and say, do you really love these grandkids? Well, sure we love them. Well, don't you love them enough to feed them? Don't you love them enough to clothe them? Don't you love them enough to give them a bath? Don't you love them enough to give them a roof over their head? Don't you love them? Someone said, I'll tell you this, I would surely be afraid of what would happen to that kid if you didn't love them if that was going on. You see, that's exactly what we do with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say you love it. David said, I tell you what, I love it. I give it the desires of my heart. I gave it $20 billion. I wished I could give $20 billion. Doggone, I wish right now I could just come up with a couple hundred thousand. I'd do it. You know how weird we are? I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you how weird you are. You ever seen them signs out on the road says, Powerball 300 million. Now, don't don't do this and don't do that. I don't care what, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And and there's some of you in there, you get all tempted to want to go play that when it gets up to 300 million, but then when it drops down around 5 million, I ain't playing that. That ain't $5 million. (laughs) I'm saying, we're idiots. We're idiots. I'm telling you what, that ain't the way it is around here at Solaro. We're on a shoestring budget just like many of you are at your house. And I'm losing my hair sometimes ain't because of heredity. It ain't called the hereditary. It's just because, hey, <laughs> I'm sitting there scratching my head. How are we going to do this? How are we going to show a plan of intent to build a building in a year or two when I know good and well we're just scrimping, skimping by to pay what we're paying. I wish I could dump all this on some of y'all. Our church at Solid Rock Baptist Church, and it is our church, amen? It's not a perfect one. And, and, and you don't have a perfect pastor. You just don't. And, and I'll tell you this. We fail, and you got a pastor sometimes that fails. Someone put it like this. Some things just never change. I think that I shall never see a church that all, that's all it ought to be. A church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way. A church that has no empty pews, whose pastor never has the blues. 
a church whose deacons always deacon now is proud and all are meek, where gossip never peddles lies or make complaints or criticize, where all are always sweet and kind, and all to others' faults are blind. Such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But we'll still work and plan and pray and plan to make solid rock the very best that we can. You see, I believe solid rock has great value to us. I believe it's worth attending. I believe it's worth paying for and praying for. I believe it's worth supporting. I believe it's worth commending it. I believe it's worth defending it. I believe it's worth attending it. I'm going to tell you what, when I miss a Sunday... Golly, I feel like I've missed the whole year. I know people can lay out months and it don't bother them. I just want you to know, if you can lay out months from a church that you say you love, there's something spiritually wrong with you. You hear me? Well, does Jesus love this church? I believe he does. Ephesians 5 tells us just exactly how much he loves it. The Bible says Christ loved the church. And gave himself for it. David gave 20 billion. Jesus gave the entire eternity of eternal life to it. He died for you and me. So much he loved us. Yes, the church is not tile and carpet and pews, but the temple was a place where people met. It was a place where they came together and prayed and where God would dwell in his people and where God would speak. But really, the church is us. It's us. The story is told of a preacher who went visiting a family. And when he was sitting there talking to the family, it just seemed like, golly, these people love this little dog of theirs. I mean, it's, it's just a... It's, over the, this is off the chart, how much they love this little dog. They just talk about the dog, and they just sit and brag about the dog and interrupt the preacher when he's talking. To, hey, you see how this dog, and that's so, we love this dog. Finally, the preacher says, can I just speak to you a minute about this? I know you love this dog, but you are a loving couple. Why don't you have a child and, 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 concentrate and focus this love that you have for this animal toward a human being. And, and can I ask you why you haven't had a son or a, or a daughter? And immediately the mama popped up, went to bawling and ran out of the room. Preacher go, uh-oh. And he looked at the husband and he said, I'm sorry. He said, I have, apparently I've said something to offend your wife and, and I don't know what I said. He said, you couldn't have known. You just couldn't have. He said, Preacher, we did have a son. And my son died. And the only thing our son really cared for was that little dog. And the reason we feed it so well and so good and give it such love and such attention because our son loved that dog. And that's all we got left. Jesus came to this earth, and he loved us, and he died for us, and he forgave us of our sin. He's given us an opportunity to go to spend eternity in heaven, but yet we treat it as if it was just something that we take for granted. Well, Jesus didn't take for granted what he did for you on the cross. 
You know why you should love this church? Because Jesus loved this church. You know, why, you know why you should do something other than taking up a seat and you should come in and work and serve and witness and share and, and do whatever God has called you to do and he's gifted you to do. Don't expect me to beg you to do what God's already given you to do. And don't expect me. I didn't expect anybody to determine whether or not God was calling me to preach or not. That's not your job. That wasn't my job. I just had to listen to him. And then whatever he says do, you do it. You don't need my permission. I mean, unless you come in here and whacked out and off the chart. Because God does things in decency and order. He's an organizer. I don't like organizers, but I got to have them. I'm a visionary. I want, to, I want to keep on building, and I want to keep on shouting and howling. But, you know, eventually we've got to have somebody pay for all this stuff. That's right. Butch is a visionary, but he got to have somebody to pay for it. we got to have somebody to pay for what we're doing. And when we propose a plan, we got to propose a plan, or all the, we got to go to court, and, and we'll be ultimately, I asked the building inspector this, I said, if we don't do anything... He said, in 10 months, we'll be red-tagged. Then you'll be in court. Then you'll stand before a judge, and the judge don't like what you're doing. We'll have to come over here and take all of those things out of here, and at your expense. Do you think we want to do that? Uh-uh. No, we don't want to do that. So what does that mean? We need to hear God. God needs to show up and give us the plan. Look, up to this point, I promise you, I've been sure-footed all the way. But now I've done jumped into uncharted territories. Be honest. Because this is city ordinances. This is not, you know, I, I, I could live in a trailer and be happy. But evidently, the people that, of, of this great county or city has allowed ordinances to be passed they don't want no trailers here. Yeah, I know what some of you are going to say. Oh, well, look at all these schools, man. The theme school has trailers. Everybody has trailers. Well, I don't know what they're quickly going to tell you because I done been there. That's a state issue. We're dealing with a city issue. Different stuff. Now, do they want to shut us down? No. They don't want all this in the paper. They don't want to shut down the free medical clinic, man. Luke 4... I didn't even read that, did I? Let me, let me hear you what, and you've heard me read this before, but Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me after he read the scrolls of Isaiah, Luke four eighteen, And he said, he, Jesus said, he's appointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives, that the captives will be released and the blind will see and the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. God has had his hand on this church for over 26 years. He's not going to let it down now. I believe that. We just need God's plan. You need God's plan for your marriage. You need God's plan, uh, plan for your children rearing. For your home building. You need God's plan. Boy, if you hadn't been 
to see war room, you'll sure come away with a good plan. The second of all, the church needs your loyal allegiance. It's in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 39 says, We will not neglect the house of God. The word neglect means to let it go, to let loose. In the, in the War Room movie, my wife gets mad at me when I talk about stuff in the movie, but I can't help it. I got to tell this. This wife was fixing to lose her husband. And he was fixing to have an affair. And she did battle on her knees. She did battle in the war room and changed the whole outcome that God, as God intervened in this situation. It was the coolest thing to watch God do it. But how do we neglect the house of God? I believe, it, I believe one way we do, by our absence. There are people just... You know, they don't show up. They, they don't care anything about the church for some reason. It's kind of like the little boy that was absent from school one day. And the next day when he came back, he, the teacher said, George, you missed school. Did you miss school yesterday? He said, no, ma'am, not one bit. <laughs> there are a lot of Christians, they miss church. Did you miss church last night? Oh, I don't know why I should miss. I don't know why I should feel bad. I mean, I ain't been here in six months. It don't matter to me. But it matters to God. Just go read Hebrews 10.25 and make sense of that if you would. It does matter whether you and I attend church or not. There are times we neglect the house of God by just our critical attitudes. You see, church attendance is infected with the half-hearted believers who have a conditional or unforgiving spirits who have a conditional loyalty which has produced an army of ecclesiastical hitchhikers. You say, well, what is a hitchhiker? A hitchhiker is someone that thumbs their way through life and says, you buy the car, you pay for the repairs, you do the uh, pay for the in- upkeep insurance, you fill the car with ga- gas, and I'll ride with you. But if you have an accident, I'm going to sue you. That's a hitchhiker. You see, the church house today, throughout this land, are filled with ecclesiastic ecclesiastical hitchhikers. If it just don't go their way, they thumb off to another ride. Well, you know what? I don't have to answer for those. One day they'll stand before Jesus on that. But where are you? How are you contributing different than, say, maybe someone that don't even come to this church? You say, well, Mike, what are you talking about? Well, you know what? I've got people that can't come. I've got senior members who send their tithe in. They give to this church. They can't come. Well, what are you doing different than those who do come, different than the ones that can't come, and yet they give? How are you contributing any different? Are you just taking up air and space? And then thirdly, the church needs your lasting attendance. <clears throat> you know, I, I believe with all my heart that people have all kind of excuses of why they don't go to the church. But you know what the number one excuse is of why people don't go to church? I'm talking about believers. Because they're hypocrites down the church. <laughs> 
Well, I got news for you. I ain't met a church member yet that's not a hypocrite. I haven't met a pastor yet that's not a hypocrite. Now, you know what the word hypocrite means? Play actor. They're actually acting out in a way of something they really aren't. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're always lost. A man had a horse, uh, and he taught this horse how to paw out questions by giving the answer. And and one of the, he was in a, in a crowd, and, and uh, all of a sudden he said, All right, horse, what's two plus two? And pawed out four. How many commandments did God give us? Poured out ten. I know that was just three. My leg getting tired. All of a sudden, one said, this is rigged. This is rigged. Let me ask that horse a question. He said, horse, how many hypocrites down at the church? All of a sudden. (laughs) That ought to give you an answer. A bunch of them. Actually, all of them. I'll share this illustration by saying that another pastor told me this. This pastor said there was a lady who used to sing in the church. (laughs) And this particular soloist in this church, every time she stood to sing... She wore a skirt that was way too short. Well, that same, as this preacher tells it, lady blasted one of the youth because of the inappropriate dress that she had. While all along, while this woman was so hard on this youth... And her so sloppy in her dress was having an affair with another man. Who, by the way, divorced that man and now living with another man. That is a hypocrite. In a big way. We need to be careful about that. I want to close this. I didn't share this in the early service. But I got, I got whew, all that jumping around got there was a mail out that came on, uh, out from a church, and on the front of it, the headline said this, Pastor Quits Sports. Underneath it was a paragraph, football in fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring and summer. Your pastor has been an avid sports fan all of his life, but I've had it. I quit. You want to know why? Well, he listed the reasons. Listen, here's what he said. Every time I went to the sports arena, they asked me for money. Number two, the people with whom I had to sit weren't very friendly and didn't speak to me. Number three, the seats were too hard and very uncomfortable. Number four, I went to many games, but the coach never came to visit me. Number five, the referee 
made a decision that I didn't like. Number six, I figured out that I was sitting with some hypocrites. They didn't come to see the ball games. They just came to, came to see their friends and what they were wearing. Number seven, some go, games went into overtime and I had to wait it line, in the line at restaurant. Number eight, the band played some numbers that I ain't ever heard before. Number nine, it seems like the games are always scheduled when I want to do something else. Number 10, when I was growing up, my mom and dad forced me to go to ball games. Number 11, I recently read a book on sports, and now I feel I know more than the coaches do. Y'all getting a drift of that? I know that we go to church with hypocrites. I preach to them every Sunday. I'm one myself. But there's one, I, there's one thing I want you to know about. I care about people getting saved. I care about people being baptized. I care about people learning the Word of God. I may not can do it all. You know what someone said? And there's an old country bunk, bunkin who said, I'd rather chase a rabbit and not catch it than chase a skunk and catch it. Well, I'd rather go to church with a few hypocrites on this earth than to spend eternity with all the hypocrites in hell itself. Let me tell you something. The city is not our problem. Even the plan, because this is, look, God's in charge, okay? I really believe that. The real problem is not what we should be doing as in, in our planning, even though we got to get there. I believe the real problem is the indifference in your life and mine. In the movie on the war room, the problem of that husband and wife wasn't they didn't love one another. They were detached. And man, that mama said to the daughter, how in the world am I not showing you that I love you? She said, what color is my gym outfit? What's the name of our sports event that we're in. And she went on and on, and the mama couldn't say nothing. Want to know why? Because mama was detached. She used the excuse that she was busy. Daddy used the excuse. That they had the money, but he, they were detached. Now, some of you are believers in here, and you've been telling people you love Jesus, and you've been telling people you love Solid Rock, and you don't give a nickel to Solid Rock. You don't give a dime. You don't love Solid Rock. Jesus gave his life. He loves Solid Rock. Now, you say, Mike, you're being mean. No, I'm not. I'm being right in your face like Jesus gets in my face. If you loved it, you'd attend it. You'd serve in it. You'd seek to see it grow. Because this isn't solid rock. This is Jesus. Don't get it mixed up. Maybe some of them don't connect to Jesus, but we do. And I believe he's the only way. And I believe without him, we can't do nothing. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed?